Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview episode for this week's, oh boy, WGC Workday Championship at the concession. And joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, what up? I think today we each have to say the World Golf Championship Workday Championship presented by, uh, I'm sorry, at the concession. I mean, that's an, It's missing a presented by. But I think we all have to work that in at least once without stuttering. Why do they have to have two championships in there? Why, like, really? It's got to be a world golf championship and it also, also has to be a workday championship? Yeah, it was the same thing. It was the same thing with the Mexico championship. That's true. It, it, it was, it's odd. It's odd. But hey, it is what it is. It's still going to be a great event. Sia Najad is here. Sia is our very own Tony Finau because we are two weeks into our little winner take all, you know, 10, 12 of us of the CBS crew getting together, putting our DraftKings lineups in. And Sia, you have finished second uh, in both editions of, of this event. And Sia is on mute or Jacob has him muted. There we go. What's really cool is that <laughs> Rick, I finished second behind you, and I finished second behind Greg in the two weeks that we've done this. So talk about uh, – I mean, we're, we're on the right show. At least yeah. the DFS crew, right, is uh, holding court at on, on top of the leaderboard. It would be a bit ugly if we were like, you know – 10th, 11th, and 12th every single week. That You got to say that. I mean, that's good for everybody in a way. If, if Sia can get a win and crack through and this doesn't become, you know, the best fantasy player without a win, as long as <laughs> he's getting close to that, but he's not there right now. That's right. Uh, that's fine. And actually, see, you almost pulled it off with a five of six. That That's what, what bit you. Who was it? Luke List that missed the cut. I think that was your guy. It was Luke List. And honestly, if it wasn't for your guy, Tony Finau, just going yeah. bonkers on the back nine, I probably I may have held on to it. I, I, I had Cantley, which didn't do me any favors. And you had Finau down the stretch. And that's that's what made you pass me. Yeah, we both had Dustin Johnson, who was going in the wrong direction. And I was able to pull it out with a with a six of six. Also. We are giving things away. We are literally giving things away. Uh, this time, it is a free year to Sportsline, and apparently, we're giving out five of them. Five yearly subs to Sportsline. Last week's winner, T. Keegan 9. Congratulations. If you want to be like T. Keegan 9, you have to do a couple of things to get your name in the draw, but here's what you get. Free year to Sportsline, absolutely for free. Award-winning picks, you get the patented Sportsline model, and all you have to do is leave a five-star review in Apple Podcasts on the first cut. That's it. Drop a drop in the review a player to finish in the top five at this week's WGC Workday. Leave your Twitter handle so we can get in touch with you. Follow us. Makes it a little bit easier to tweet at you send you a dm if you have one and again congratulations to t keegan nine this week workday championship wgc greg field of 72 no cut 
We know we've got some no-cut specialists out there and a brand new course that we get to talk about. We've tried to do a little bit of early reconnaissance on the concession in Bradenton, Florida. Have we learned anything new since the last time we talked about 15 hours ago? Uh, if I if I didn't hit on it last time, it's basically the same kind of general concept. The general theme is the it's somewhat generous off the tee. Uh, it's not extremely penal like many Florida courses off the tee. Not to say that there aren't some penalty areas and hazards off the tee, but for the most part, relatively speaking, it's much more generous off the tee and really a second shot golf course. Um, and the greens are quite complex. Uh, mm -hmm. as many Nicholas courses are. The one caveat to this Nicholas course, from what I hear, is that it, it's more balanced both ways, um, as in there's movement to the left and there's movement to the right. A lot of Nicholas courses tend to favor um, the right, where they, they become faders golf courses. This apparently has some more balance than a typical Nicholas course. So when, when I'm looking at this, personally, I'm thinking approach games, and I'm thinking putting games and also recent form on a, on a course you don't know. I think you go with those three areas, focus on those three areas. I think you'll have good success this week. Field of 72, see ya, and we're not going to have a cut sweat on Friday. No cut. So we know the no cut specialist, right? We talk about Justin Thomas. We talk about uh, Xander Shoffley. And, and generally speaking, and I'm going to pull up the stat here, so give me a second, see ya. Um, the cream tends to rise to the top here in some of these WGC events. The top 10 players in the world tend to win a lot of these, don't they? They do uh, it for, for obvious reasons. I mean, this is a stacked field and some of those guys at the top will probably be at the top. But then again, we sort of thought that last week and there were guys mixed in to, to the, you know, the final few hours on Sunday that weren't necessarily the cream of the crop, obviously with a, with a Max Homa win. So I think the answer is is yes, you're right, but also there's some of these guys in that, especially that 9K tier, 8K tier that definitely can creep up there. And I think this is such a cool, like when you have a no-cut event, it really gives you an opportunity to take some chances. So I think, you know, this week I'm going to be doing a little bit of that, taking some guys that maybe normally I'd be a little fearful that they might not even make the cut. Well, now I'm just looking for them to maybe they'll have a bad day Thursday, Friday, but maybe they'll go really low on, on Saturday or Sunday and they can make up the difference. Yeah, birdie makers. Uh, if you get four days of offsetting birdies and bogeys, you're doing pretty good, even if you are uh, down in the in the lower pricing. Here's here's the stat, Greg. Here's a combination yeah. uh, from Jason Sobel and Will Haskett kind of put this together. So dating back to 2016 WGC events, if you remove the match play, which is the very high volatile one, it's it, it's a little bit wonky. There's been 14 WGCs. The top three players in the world at the time have won eight out of 14. That's staggering, first wow. of all. And top 10 players in the world have won 10 out of 14. So the way to look at this, only four out of 14 winners have come from outside the top 10 in the world at the time they teed it up. That I, I knew I was expecting a big number. That feels bigger than I thought. So maybe you add official world golf ranking to the list of criteria. Approach game, uh, official world golf ranking, and recent form. It, it's funny. I think you'll find that those three kind of go hand in hand. They have a way of coexisting, which is kind of kind of interesting, I guess. But do you guys think the the golf course has anything to do with this, or why is why is that? Is that just because of the of the way that? The field shakes out because it doesn't feel like that at Riviera. Riviera feels like you get a James Hahn to win, a Bubba Watson to sneak up and win. Maybe he's not as highly ranked, yet you still have a stacked field. Major championships are the same way. You may get some more 
I mean, I don't want to call them random, but guys that are outside the top 10 have a tendency of winning those events. What do you guys think is the difference? I think there's two big things. I think that you get every single player in the top 10 there, not that you don't at major championships and not that you don't. Well, I mean, we had two last week at Riviera. So 20% of the top 10 players in the world did not play Riviera last week. So that lowers the chances that one of them is going to win the golf tournament. Uh, also, there's no cut. I mean, you have one bad round at Riviera or one bad hole or whatever, uh, you're done. Four guaranteed rounds. And and also, let's be real, the like the bottom 15 of this field is, is not great, right? It's a WGC event, so you get a lot of guys who are on exemptions from other tours and, and, and all that stuff. So it's almost like a 55-man field. And when 10 of them are the top 10 players in the world, I just see, I just think the math kind of shakes out where the best guys win. Yeah, I agree with you, particularly about the point with the the no cut. I mean, you're go, you're going to have guys, and let's let's talk about you know just as an example. We'll get to him in a second, but Xander, you know, we kind of perceive him as as a no cut specialist because of his track record. But I mean, this is a guy last week that was pretty terrible off the tee on Thursday, and he was pretty terrible with the putter on Sunday. But everything else was was really great. Now, granted, he finished fifteenth, which was kind of middling. But the point there is that you can afford to have a bad day. I mean, his day wasn't terrible on Thursday, obviously, but you can afford to have a bad Thursday and really make up for it Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And the reason we kind of consider Xander a no-cut specialist is because he has four wins on the PGA Tour. Three of them are in no-cut events. For Justin Thomas, he has 13 PGA Tour wins and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of them are no cut events at my quick math. So eight out of 13 for, for Justin Thomas. So that's why those guys get, get dubbed with the, the no cut specialty looking at the board, gentlemen, let's jump into this $10,000 range. There are six golfers on DraftKings over $10,000 led by number one player in the world. Dustin Johnson, 11,600. John Rahm close behind 11,100. Xander Shoffley is 10-8. Justin Thomas at 10-5. Rory McIlroy, 10,400. Patrick Cantlay, and even $10,000. Greg, there is a lot to like in this range. There is a lot of concern, particularly, I think, in the Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy camp, both of those guys coming off of a missed cut. What do you see when you look at the top tier on DraftKings? Uh, well, Dustin Johnson jumps off the page to me in an event like this because one, he's number one in the world. So again, if we're in this play the top three in the world kind of um, space, he's going to jump off the page. He also has the second most wins all time in World Golf Championships behind Tiger Woods. So I, I like Dustin for that um, sense. I was a little disappointed with his round Sunday. So I wonder, was that an anomaly? Did something start to slip in his form? Um, so, I, but he's the first guy that I really look at and I really like. John Rahm, number two player in the world, has been hitting the ball great lately. And if you look at, uh, so it, it's in some ways answered the question about his equipment where he's hitting the ball really nicely. It's clearly working from tee to green. His approach game has been great. His driving game has been mm -hmm. great week in and week out. His scoring is really interesting. I was looking at it today and in the calendar year, his scores are between 66 and 72. He hasn't shot anything above 72 this year. He hasn't shot anything below 66. And the reason for that is the putter. The putter has just not cooperated. And I'm not sure if that's the volatility of putting as a whole. And this is just a four event kind of cold, cool streak for him with the putter. And it's going to get hot one of these days. <laughs> or if there's, you know, something about the new putter that he doesn't like. So, I, I mean, he's the first guy that I look at. And I, I kind of check the box next to John Rahm as a guy who's hitting the ball great. 
He's got the world golf ranking. Um, so his recent form is, is really strong. And the thing that he's missing is just a, a hot putter round, a hot putter day. And, and when that comes, whenever that is, he's going to win a golf tournament. So uh, John Rahm is probably my favorite on this list right now. I think that's interesting. I, I don't, I do not disagree. I mean, you get the discount from a Dustin Johnson and see, I want to talk about Dustin Johnson here real quick because uh, you can make a real case that his T eight last week at Riviera was the absolute floor. I mean, he was not good with the driver. He was barely a positive off the tee. That's his weapon. He did not take advantage of any of the par fives. He had a pretty bad Sunday and he finished T8. Like, is, is that now Dustin Johnson's floor? Yeah, it, it maybe. But you could look at that one of two different ways. Because like you said, as the weekend was going, I started to think, well, I don't think he has this driver figured out yet. And so I just wonder if, at 11-6, if Dustin Johnson, notwithstanding the comment you made, maybe eighth is his floor, or maybe in this tournament, 10th is his floor, which is, isn't is terrible. But paying 11600 knowing that that 6K range isn't great, like there's going to be a few guys we like in the 6K range, but this isn't like at Riviera where there was a, a lot of guys we might have liked in the 6K range that we could pair with like an 11300 or in this case, an 11600 guy. So I, I wish, if he was in better form, I think I'd like DJ. I, I agree with your floor comment, but... I'm looking for sort of a, I'm probably going to lower the expectations to like a, a John Rahm or a Xander Shoffley. Those are the guys I'm probably going to be focused on. I, I think John Rahm is a great pick. I think Xander, because of his finish last week, 15th, I think some people will be off him, but I really think he's been so consistent. Notwithstanding, I mean, listen, off the tee again on Thursday, he was pretty bad with the putter on Sunday. He was pretty bad outside of that. His metrics were really, really great. We know he's hitting it a little bit longer these days. I think he's kind of perfect for this course. So again, we don't have course history, but I think he's kind of perfect for this course. So um, I like John Rahm and, and Xander quite a bit. Xander's been dope. Xander's been awesome. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the two that I think are going to be a bit of a, a lightning rod this week are Justin Thomas and, and Roy McIlroy, Greg. And we have to figure out what to do with them. You know, it's, it's easy to say, I mean, I could go both ways on Justin Thomas, right? He loses six strokes putting over the course of two rounds. It's his, it's his single worst two round total uh, dating back to the start of 2015. That's my entire database. I couldn't find anything worse than that on Justin Thomas. Uh, and I would normally say, Greg, I'd normally be like, well, it's going to bounce back. He's not going to have his, his floor putting week two weeks in a row. But he also lost strokes in every other category, which right. is a bit more concerning. And that's something he hasn't done since the 2016 Memorial. So now I'm like, man, I, I would have been fine if it was just the putter. Now I'm a bit worried. And then Rory, I, I don't know if I'm just more optimistic that Rory's going to bounce back. He misses his first cut in a million years. And the same things are an issue, right? Like the putter's kind of always been an issue or, or been an issue lately. So I don't know. Those are the two that I'm really trying to figure out over the course of the next couple of days. You know, with Justin Thomas, he he loses everywhere. R with Riviera, you have to give a little bit of a... Uh, I can allow a little bit of a pass. It's a hard golf course. You can get breaks going the wrong way and make... You can get on the bogey train so easily out there. And all of a sudden, it just gets out of hand and you get frustrated quickly. And those numbers are a little skewed because there's the frustration factor. And it just kind of gets exhausting. Um, but he also missed the cut and... Uh, Saudi Arabia. And I wonder if there's an emotional thing with his grandfather and all the off the course stuff. There's, there's a lot going on for Justin Thomas right now. And I just, I'm going to give him a little bit of time to settle down. 
this course would be perfect for him. Otherwise, everything that I've heard about it, all the conversations I've had about it and everything I've read about it, he would be perfect for this course. But I'm going to give him a little time to kind of settle down emotionally uh, and get back to focusing purely on competition. When that happens, he's going to come back. I'm a little worried about that right now. And then with Rory, this is now uh, two. There, there are two issues with him right now. He's uh, outside the top 100 approaching the green for the year. Um, and he's outside, I think he's 117th in greens and regulation. Um, mm. And if you combine those two, it really speaks to the kind of weakness of his approach play which maybe stems from his putting. I've kind of thought that it that it, it stems from poor putting, which is well. Really you you've dog, kind of made that uh, point to me before, which I think is a great point, Greg. Which is like when you know you can't putt, like you are putting so much more pressure on stuffing everything to three feet, and then that just magnifies some of these issues that he has on approach. Like I think yeah. I do think that's a valid a valid argument. But for this week now, it doesn't matter. Now I'm looking at it at this point. I'm saying we got two holes in the boat. And, and it's going to take, he's going to have to fix one before the other. So if he gets the putter fixed, I still, I'm not sure it's going to be an instantaneous flip of the switch. Oh, now I'm so released and I'm, I'm hitting my irons beautifully now. So I, I just have questions about Rory for a guy who's struggling with irons in a class where you have all these other players like DJ and Rom and uh, even Thomas and Patrick Cantlay, who's been on fire until last Sunday all these guys are so strong in these areas and for Rory and JT, you know, there's some question marks. So I'm staying away from both of them. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Cantlay because he's uh, so many of these guys are just in peak form right now. It's pretty amazing. You know, Patrick Cantlay, even with a, a pretty poor Sunday at Riviera finishes to 15 and, and just continues the, the role that he's on. So see uh, to kind of put a bow on this 10 K range. Are you seeing, uh, or projecting that a lot of these builds are going to come from the top DJ Rom Xander, and then probably can't lay at the flat 10,000. I mean, JT and Rory have to be the two guys that get uh, a bit overlooked here. Oh, for sure. I mean, JT and Roy are definitely going to be the lowest owned guys in this crew. So that that you can bank on. So if you want to go contrarian, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, honestly, between JT and Rory, I won't have a lot of them. But if I was to pick one in a, in a contrarian move, it would be Rory, who is mm-hmm. likely go, going to be a little bit more. There's going to be a little bit more ownership with him versus JT. But I think the way builds are going to start is taking one guy from this range then maybe going down to the 9K range, taking one guy and then settling the rest of the lineup there. That's how I see it playing out. But I'll tell you, I absolutely love the idea of starting your lineup with this next range we're about to get into. Well, that is a professional segue. Let's just go right into it. The $9,000 range is led by Bryson DeChambeau. It goes down to Tony Finau, Terrell Hatton, Brooks Kepka, Victor Hovland, Daniel Berger, Patrick Reed, Webb Simpson, Colin Morikawa, Greg, this is uh, what we call a grab bag. Get get whatever you want here. If you want a stud, if you want a guy who's been playing on the Euro Tour, if you want a guy who's won on the PGA Tour recently, like whatever you want is available to you in the $9,000 range. Yeah, I mean, this is a hard range because there's so much to like. Bryson DeChambeau, he brings an advantage with him every single time he tees it up. And last week, Riv got him. He got on the wrong side of some things. He got himself behind some trees and some difficult circumstances, and he missed a cut. But his approach game this year has been pretty good. Um, His putting has been pretty good, and the distance is a constant advantage. So I think with Bryson, you kind of keep... It's the best price you're going to get on him all year, too. I I really... I don't think you see him below 10,000 another event this year, unless this form is really, really bad. But again, I think this was just a guy who 
missed a he he missed a cut that he normally wouldn't miss, or, or it's just a random one bad round. Remember, he shot what seventy five, sixty nine. Yeah. So you know, one bad round, I can write that off at a difficult golf course. So I'm gonna say Bryson is the guy. I, I think if you're gonna start your lineup down here, I have no problem starting it with Bryson. The other guy that I really really like in this range, aside from everybody, his hat. <laughs> Yeah, Tyrrell Hatton to me just he he jumps off the page because the two strengths that he has are iron play and putting and driving. I guess I guess you could call driving a strength of his too. But his iron play has been great. He's coming off of a win overseas. He's confident. He's rested. He's kind of everything going into play. If it gets windy, um, I know that he can handle wind. Um, So I'm I'm really high on him as well this week. He's he's one of the guys that I had circled. You know, we are we are, and we joke about this a lot. Where we are, this just you know PGA Tour centric, American centric golf is not played anywhere else in the world. And I wonder, you know, how many people actually do kind of believe that? You know, it is it is Terrell Hatton who has not played on the PGA Tour since November. But he's been playing, and he's been playing great. He wins in Abu Dhabi. He played well uh, in Saudi Arabia. I mean, that is a guy who can contend in any field at any event at any course and then the other one for me see is is victor hovland i, I mean this is the guy yep. the, just yep. like the the ball striking is unbelievable it would have been easy it would have been so easy for hovland to win in maya Cobb and say all right that's about it I've, I've had enough he didn't play particularly well at the tournament of champions but he played well in europe when he went over there now he's backing it up with a second place finish at tory pines he's got a fifth place at genesis i mean it, to me th- this kid's unbelievable and i do like the angle of so many guys see i have never seen this course let alone competitively let alone professionally i think it levels the playing field a bit for some of the more inexperienced guys Exactly, which is why we'll talk about it later, but I think Will Zalatoris is a really smart play for that exact reason. But no, I, listen, let's pat ourselves on the back a little bit. We were all over Hovland last week. You know, we, <laughs> yep. we, we liked we liked Homa last week. We actually even two weeks ago, we talked about Sam Burns and, and last week we talked about him a little bit too. So we've been all over this guy for good reason. I mean, he is absolutely elite. He just, every shot's great. His ball striking is fantastic. You know, last week he could have been better with the putter and, and around the green. We know around the green is a slight weakness of his, but but it's so dramatically improved from where it was about a year ago that it's really not that big of a worry at this point. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with both of you. I, I absolutely love Victor Hovland. I love his price. I absolutely love Terrell Hatton as well. I mean, you said it. Sixth at the Saudi, 22nd at, at Omega Dubai, which, you know, isn't great, but not terrible. And then, like you said, first at Abu Dhabi. So he's in great form. It's, it's an interesting scenario because you don't, you know, you don't see the stats because he's not playing over here. But He's in absolutely great form. And honestly, I think he's an underappreciated and underestimated golfer at this point in his career. Uh, another guy I like here, you know who's really interesting to me is Colin Morikawa. And by I was way, hoping yeah. somebody would yeah. say this. <laughs> I mean, listen, and by the way, this goes this same argument goes for Bryson. Because by the way, Friday, Bryson was best tee to green in the field. But he lost another two and a half strokes putting. So it's, you know, when you when you talk about Bryson and when you talk about Colin Morikawa, Morikawa is a more extreme example of this bad putting. But if you believe in regression, I mean, when it comes to really anything, uh, but, but especially with putting, because that's in, in the DFS world, that's something we, we really look at because putting can be so volatile. But Colin Morikawa and Bryson DeChambeau are very interesting in that respect. Colin and Bryson, you know, they're going to be very good on approach. They're probably going to be very good off the tee. And you might be getting a bargain with with Colin here. Let me put the numbers to this. And I want to direct this back to Greg because I I do think the Colin Morikawa situation 
is incredibly interesting. I don't know where I fall on it. I woke up Monday morning. He was 55 to one. I clicked it real quick because the number was all over the place. He was second best on approach last week. He gained seven and a half shots on the field. It's bonkers. He then offset that by losing seven and a half on the putting greens, six of which on Sunday alone, Greg. And that is like, I know we throw out a lot of numbers. I know we say like, that is a lot. And the only extra concern that I would have is he did it with that new grip. And I'm like, oh man, it just might, he just might be lost. And maybe, maybe, maybe try something completely different this week, or maybe he's committed to it. But I'm now in the point of like, do I just say, yeah, he's going to regress back to his mean or, oh my God, this is so bad. He's, there's no chance he comes back from this anytime soon. Oh, well, I don't know about anytime soon. You got to, you got to watch the grip. What's going on with the grip? Cause you're right. It's like the Ricky Fowler situation where you change putters you, you, for a lot of guys out there. There are a couple exceptions, but you got to watch when putters change. Cause it means likely there's a problem, right? If, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Most guys on the PGA tour live by that and they don't make changes when it's unnecessary unless it's a complete overhaul in equipment like you saw with John Rom, which I could still argue is a questionable decision, but here nor there. So I, I do worry about that a little bit on complicated greens, as they've been described to me. Um, Riviera, you can give up again, you can get, it can get away from you quickly on high level greens like that. I mean, this is, these are major championship quality greens and it can get really tricky and you can, you can write off some mistakes when you have a weakness like Colin Morikawa does with the putter and it gets exposed at Riviera it's understandable. And it doesn't mean that every week he's going to struggle the way he did at Riviera. Sometimes you go to a normal PGA tour setup and all of a sudden it's a breath of fresh air. You feel like you can make everything because it's so much easier. Hmm. But here I worry that it's not going to be a lot easier. And so for that reason, I favor um, uh, uh, Victor Hovland a little bit more than him. Really anybody. Yeah. I I just have a hard time with Morikawa here because this, this group is so solid. I mean, you have Kepka playing great golf right now. You have Berger playing great golf and putting beautifully. Patrick Reed is maybe the best putter in the world right now. And Webb Simpson, I'm I'm a little down on Webb Simpson this week too. His, his approach game hasn't been as great this year. His putting game hasn't been as good this year as it was last, but there's so many other options here that Morikawa to me kind of gets stuck just for the, for the putter reason. We're going to jump down to the $8,000 range. We got to keep going. We got to get into value. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. $8,000 range. Tommy Fleetwood back in the United States. Sung J.M. out of retirement. Two weeks off for this guy. Unbelievable. Cam Smith, Max Homa in the field. Thank you very much. Matthew Fitzpatrick, Hideki Matsuyama, Scotty Scheffler, Adam Scott, Joaquin Neiman, Will Zalatoris, Sia already nodding along for Willie Z. Talk to me about Will and then talk to me about some other guys here in this $8,000 range. By the way, I think it's funny that we just talked about the entire 9K range and how much we love it. I'm not sure the two words Tony or Finau were actually uttered in that range. So I just want to point that out. That's kind of funny in my opinion. They, they were not. We know he's going to finish second, so we don't even have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. He's worth okay, playing. So, <laughs> yeah, I Fair agree. enough. You know, the, the two guys at the bottom end here, I like the most, probably, for, particularly from a value standpoint. I mean, honestly, Cam Smith and Max Home, I think they're fine plays. I, I like playing them. But 
just from a value standpoint and the way my builds are probably going to start with either a 10k and a 9k guy or two 9k guys I, I think I'm more comfortable dropping down to this low 8K range. And Joaquin Neiman, listen, he shot a 78, I believe, on Saturday when the wins were just like super high. But his first two rounds were great. He has flashed plenty of upside in his career, including a second place at Sony. I think he was second at the Century Tournament of Champions as well. So at 8,100, I, I think you're kind of getting a bargain here, especially when you consider that, yeah, he might give you the high round, that 78, which again was in kind of gruesome wind conditions. But he is the type of guy that can give you the low round. And in a no-cut event, that's kind of what you're looking for. You're looking for the, the mega upside and you're not going to get dinged by a bad round on Thursday or Friday like you mm. normally would. Yeah. Will Zalatoris, I don't think we need to touch on it really because you kind of made the point earlier. Usually when we ding Will Zalatoris, it's because, hey, he doesn't have the course history. He doesn't have course experience. Well, nobody does here other than Bryson in 2015, which I don't really think matters at this point. So uh, the way Will Zalatoris ball striking has been, I just don't see how you can deny the value at 8,000. Here's what you need to know about Will Zalatoris. Uh, he has a very small sample size. In that sample size, he has been one of, if not the best approach player on the PGA Tour. He has produced results uh, at a very diverse set of courses and tournaments. Yep. He's done it at he's done it at Wingsfoot. He's done it did it at the US Open. He did it at Torrey Pines. He did it in Bermuda. He did it at Punta Cana. Did it last week at Riviera. Greg, I mean I I every question we ask of this kid uh, he seems to answer it. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm enamored with him. I just can't wait for him to. I, I just hope this continues and he starts hoisting some trophies. I mean, he's, he's unbelievable. Well, I mean, consider that this guy at the beginning of the year was a Corn Ferry Tour player yeah. getting start, and he's playing in the first World Golf Championship. Uh, workday championship at, at the concession <laughs> the very first one of the year he's playing job. that's an amazing thing thank you very much um, and so so this is a i mean top 50 in the world golf rankings get in and mm -hmm. that i mean will zalatoris has gotten himself inside the top 50 in the world he's ahead of tiger woods right he's ahead of uh, jordan spieth there are mm -hmm. tour veterans that he's a, that he has passed. So it is. Uh, it's been an amazing run. And my favorite aspect is what you mentioned, Rick. The diversity of golf courses. He's done it in tropical courses. He's done it on major champion in major championships and on major championship quality golf courses. So I got to think when we're going to a place that we don't know, um, especially a place that I think is going to favor heavily iron play. Complicated greens always yield, uh, iron play becomes the most important. Sometimes you hear complex greens and you think uh, short game and putting, but I think it, it really lends itself to approach game because you have to position your ball in the right area to make the complicated greens more simple. And that's what I think Will Zalatoris will have the opportunity to do this week. So I, I am way high on him in this range. Um, and, and he's the lowest guy in the range, so that helps. I'm also pretty high on Sung J.M., although I don't yes. know where he's been. My, my only guess is he's moving in. He was moving in. Has he finally been. bought a house. He's got it. That, that has to be it. Um, but I have a. I just want to know what you guys think about uh, Tommy Fleet. Is this a Tommy Fleetwood kind of week? His play has been okay. <laughs> tied seventeenth yeah. in Omega. Tied twenty sixth at the Saudi. Um, he was tied seventh in Abu Dhabi. So he's been playing over there and been playing okay. Not great. Is he pop off this week? 
I I kind of like it. I, I throw him in the same bucket with with Terrell Hatton of guys that are probably going to be overlooked. I mean, remember, it, it's weird. Um, Tommy Fleetwood was Tony Finau before Tony Finau was, right? Which is in our little world, the fantasy world, Tommy Fleetwood used to be 25% owned every single week. He used to be a big-time birdie maker, and he used to never win and that hasn't necessarily changed he's just kind of been replaced with with tony finau kind of of the same ilk so i i like this sia and and i also like uh i think where you were kind of heading here is i like the top of the eight thousand dollar range and i like the bottom of the eight thousand dollar range i don't need to get involved with you know max homa as much as i love the guy like I don't need to get involved with that. I don't need to get involved with Hideki Matsuyama, whose whose ball striking has has lost him a little bit. So, see, I'm I'm working the barbell. I'm on one end. I'm on the other when it comes to the 8K range. Yeah, I totally agree. And and I really genuinely like the the bottom of the 8K range better. Uh, I think the value for Will Will Z and, and Joaquin Neiman is is right up there with like your Max Homas and your Cam Smiths. To be honest with you, I think if they were both priced at like 8600, 8500, we wouldn't really you know think twice about it. Scotty Scheffler is interesting too i don't think i'll have him rostered but you know for a guy for again for a no-cut event a guy that can potentially go really low in any given day or maybe a couple days scotty scheffler should be on people's radar seven thousand dollar range this is where we start to get a lot more question marks it starts with louis Oosthuizen and it goes down to billy horschel it also includes i haven't said this name in a while so i'm probably going to screw this up christian bezadenhut mm, i don't think not that was bad right. not okay. bad Thank you. Um, it, it's 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 an interesting range. We're starting to get down into some of the the Euro guys. We're getting some guys who have fallen off. You know, Justin Justin Rose actually has played well recently, but I don't even know what his official world golf ranking is at the moment. Um, Greg, we'll go to you here. Who in this seven K range stands out to you? Uh, Harris English. He, yes. He, I, I I can't believe I can't believe he's here, and it's not even like he's seventy nine. He's seventy five hundred. Yep. Harris English. So I love Harris English this week. The other guy that I would that I would really um, put a lot of thought into is Ryan Palmer because again his iron play this year has been very good. Uh, his recent form has been very. He's at seventy two hundred. This is the kind of player that supports uh, that supports a DJ or a Rom play. Right. You need a guy, and, and I think they're extremely reliable. So I I am all over those two guys in this range. The, the Harris English thing, I just looked this up. So I, I took uh, this season and last season, and I said, okay, I'll just sort by strokes gained total. Harris English was 11th, 11th. Think about how much, much golf has been played in the 2020 and now the 2021 season. Harris English is 11th. He's being priced as like, what, the 45th best golfer in this field? I know he's coming off of two missed cuts. I'm willing to cut him some slack because he just won a golf tournament and he's now had two weeks to reset. I'm I'm all in on Harris English. See ya. I'm interested in your takes on the 7K range, but I also want to mention Matthew Wolf. Um Big time trouble, like right, like this is this is red flag after red flag, seemingly. Yeah, and this is one of those where I am totally fine not being early to the party on Matthew Wolf. Like, let's let him find his form because it's again he's been bad kind of everywhere, including where he's usually very successful, which is off the tee. So Matthew Wolf is just not going to be somebody that's on my radar. He has lost strokes off the tee in like five straight measured event uh, it, it's 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 shocking i mean he was just every single week gaining three gaining four he was dominant with the driver and then you throw in the fact that like 
his short game has always kind of been below average, and and now we're in trouble. Um, anybody else here see it? That that seven K range that uh, that we're talking about. I completely agree with Ryan Palmer. I think Carlos Ortiz is kind of interesting. He didn't he did not slow down after he won in Houston. Is there anybody else here? Yeah, speaking of, you mentioned Christian, Christian Bezeden, who, who, who I do like. Great on approach, not not necessarily great off the tee. You know, d- doesn't have the, the length you might want on, on this longer course. But another name that's sometimes hard to pronounce, Louis Oosthuizen. He's been, he's been in pretty good form. And, and again, I think for like a slightly tougher golf course, which we think this is, I think he'll actually shine here. His price is a little high, but I think he's a sneaky play because I don't think he'll have much ownership from a DFS standpoint. I do want to mention something about Ryan Palmer, though. And by the way, I agree about Harris English. Those two missed cuts do scare me a little bit, but his game, I'm, honestly, it's good enough where I, I think he'll be okay here. But I want to mention something about Ryan Palmer because before the show, I, I checked the betting odds. He was 55 to 1, okay? He's 7,200 on DraftKings. You know who else is 55 to 1 on DraftKings Sportsbook? Oh. Tommy Fleetwood, who was priced at 8,900. And then if you go down the list, Cam Smith is 8,700 on DraftKings. He's 60 to 1 longer than than Ryan Palmer. Wow. Matthew Fitzpatrick 66 to 1. He's 8500 on DraftKings. Will wow. Zalatoris is 70 to 1 and he's 8000. So this guy who is uh, like mm. 1500 less than so many of yeah, that those were just a few examples by the way. So there's plenty more where that came from. But the point is the betting market unless this is a mistake on DraftKings Sportsbook, <sighs> the betting market is is has vastly come around to the idea that Ryan Palmer is a very good golfer and DFS just continues to you know shovel out the disrespect wow. for for Ryan Palmer. Wow, I love that. it. That is significant. It really is significant. You know, we fight for a couple hundred bucks here and there. That's like a fifteen hundred dollar. The Tommy Fleetwood to Ryan Palmer one is 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 interesting. That's awesome stuff. Fascinating. Uh, Greg, anybody else in this seven K range before I bop us on down to the six Ks? See, this is the thing. How how do you go anywhere else? But you know, you got so no, I I don't have anybody else. I'm Ryan Palmer jumps off the page to me, and Harris English jumps off the page to me. They're way undervalued. They'll be in, depending on how it falls, at least one of them will be in every single lineup I make this week. Uh, And, uh, yeah, the thing is, if you don't like those two guys, you can have anybody else in that range at, like, a single-digit ownership. So if you want to pivot off of somebody... Pick somebody else because that's where all the that's where I think it's going to be quite concentrated. Six thousand dollar range. This is where things start to get a bit hairy. It starts with Lee Westwood and Victor Perez. It goes all the way down to Wade Ormsby, Minwoo Lee, David Lipsky. These guys are in the field. They're playing this week. Sia, what do you see in the six case? Yeah, not a ton. Like you said, the very bottom of the 6K just just isn't great, or at least we just don't have enough information to determine whether it's great or not. But I, what really kind of pops out at me, and he hasn't been in good form, so I concede that, but I know his upside, and that's Abraham Answer at 6,800. I mean, I really, I was kind of shocked. I, I thought even with his bad play, he would be like 7,200, 7,400, something like that. Can I stop you? Uh, mm-hmm. I'd argue his recent form is fine. I mean, he missed the cut at Riviera. He showed up like Wednesday night. He got out of the deep freeze in Texas. He got he got into LAX or whatever at like eleven o'clock Wednesday night. I'm 
I'm cool with the miscut. I don't even care. His start before that, he finished fifth at the American Express. I don't think the recent form is all that bad. Yeah, and that's a really, really good point. And by the way, it's usually, if you look at his track record over the last couple months, or at least let's say over the last month or two, it's usually one bad round that's plaguing him. And the rest of the rounds are good. And again, this is a no-cut event. So you can afford a bad Abraham answer round on Thursday and have him make up for it on, on the, you know, the, the next three days. So that's just something to consider. It's usually one blow-up round lately with Abraham answer, which is a little unusual. He's usually pretty consistent but just hasn't been lately. Another guy that I like, uh, again, we're getting into the hard-to-pronounce names category yet again, uh, Hogard. I, I, he has been really good at, over in Europe, over in South, like the same tournaments that we just mentioned about Terrell Hatton, you know, the Saudi, the Omega, um, the Abu Dhabi. He finished 6th, 9th, and 25th in those three tournaments. That's really good. And, and by the way, one of the, at the Saudi International, his round four, which I think was the, the last tournament over there, he shot a 62. So again, we're looking for guys that can go really, really low and uh, uh, for one round, hopefully two or three. But this is a guy that can kind of turn it on. And I think he's the right price here. That's Rasmus Hogard. He's $6,700 on DraftKings. And Greg, I see another guy who is $6,700 who we have a flow chart about. And it says if he's under $7,000, you play Lonto Griffin. He made the cut last week at Riviera. He finished 26th. The start before that, 7th at the Farmers. I equate this... These these WGCs, um, you know, we don't get a lot of them, and we get a couple of other events that I think are similar, which would be the CJ Cup, the Zozo Championship, where it's like 78 players, no-cut field. Well, Lonto played both of those this year, 7th and 11th. Give me all the $6,700 Lonto Griffin. Let's go. And the stats back it up, too. So I, I love when you have this a hunch, right? He's a, a favorite of yours. I, I'm a huge Lonto Griffin fan uh, of him as an individual and of his game as well. But the stats line up, right? He's 32nd approach the green. His iron play this year has been fantastic. I've had a chance to speak with him, too. He said that's an area that really improved for him. Uh, he needs to work on his driving. He needs to work on his short game a little bit. But those are areas I'm less concerned with this week. So uh, my areas of concern, as I said, approach the green and putting. He's 32nd approach the green. He's 13th putting. So I, I love that. And then you go into recent form, and uh, and he was tied 7th at the Farmers Insurance. A, a solid T26 with a tough Saturday on one of the hardest days of the year so far. He shot 74, tied 26 on that day. And the Zozo and the CJ Cup, as you just mentioned, Rick. So I'm, I'm all over Lonto Griffin, um, so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned him. He's definitely my favorite. I, I like Answer as well. I, I could throw Answer in there. I could put both of those two in the same lineup. But the, my only thing with Abraham Answer is he, and he's another guy that I'm a big fan of, and I worry that I'm just a little bit biased toward him. He's also an A. I look at the field on Friday night and Abraham answer, ooh, he's in. It's the first ooh. one. <laughs> yeah, watch it. So I, I have to kind of govern myself. And when I hear you guys in support Abraham answer, it, it, uh, it helps me too. That's funny. Literally every week he's the first name you think of because he's, yeah. when you look at the field, it's A, answer. Right. That's he's so an option. Cool. Ooh, answer. Okay. Yeah. Oh, answer's but, here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I, see, how, how, how much are we going to have to be in the 6K range, right? I mean, you kind of floated the idea of potentially starting in the 9s or grabbing a guy in the 10s and working your way down. I've not, it's obviously, you know, Monday afternoon, I've not started really uh, tinkering with, with lineups at this point. Do you think we have to be in the $6,000 range? No, but I think it's okay to be in the $6,000 range. And again, it goes back to this being a no-cut event. 
because I think you can have some of these guys like I'm looking at Eric Van Royen or, or, or Gary Woodland, for example, who I think are rosterable in this event that I might not have chosen. You know, Eric Van Royen wasn't in last week's tournament, but I might not have chosen at an actual cut event. So to answer your question, no, not really. You don't have to go down here at all. And, and honestly, I won't have much down here. But you can certainly make the argument that there's plenty of upside down here from all the way if you go down to 6200, which is EVR, you know, all the way up to, you know, Abraham Answer and Victor Perez and some of these other guys that, that are kind of hot names right now. But uh, the answer is, no, you don't have to, but it's okay because this is a no-cut event. I love it. No-cut let, lets you do whatever you want. You can just do yeah. crazy stuff. No big deal. Uh, before we get out of here, this is not the only golf tournament that we have going on this week. There is the Puerto Rico Open. I don't know if you guys have heard. Tony Finau won this in 2016. <laughs> you guys aware? Yes. Um, you want to hear who the favorite is to win this golf tournament? Does anybody, I mean, do we know this? Th- Thomas Peters is 14 to wow. 1. Thomas Peters, Emiliano Grillo, Ian Poulter, Matt Wallace. That, Greg, that's, that's it. You know, we, I, I, I joke about this field. Uh, I mean, you can bet it. You can make DraftKings lineups for it. This is, this is one of those, this is a life changer, right? I mean, we, the guys who win this event, uh, they don't have to, they get to go opposite of a WGC, are all licking their chops right now, trying to lock up that tour car, trying to get the FedEx cut points, all that good stuff. Right. I mean, it's still, um, and it can be enough to keep your card. Right? We had, um, I think it was Jim Herman, not last year, but the year before, who won basically had missed almost every cut throughout the whole year, and he won an opposite field event. And he didn't earn enough FedEx Cup points to keep his card. But because he won, he won an event. He got the exemption for two years, oh, right. and then he ends up winning again the very next year at the at the Wyndham, I, I believe. So very interesting. It, it it's a big deal. It really is. Even though it's only three hundred FedEx Cup points to the winner, you don't uh, right. get into the Masters, but you do get into Century Tournament of Champions, and you do get in. Uh, you, you get your tour card, which is the biggest thing. It can change. It can change your whole game. It happened for Max Homa. I mean, Max Homa wasn't on the tour off the tour, on the tour, off the tour guy until he won the Wells Fargo. Then he gets that two-year exemption. And last year, in this same time period in the West Coast swing, he reeled off uh, a number of top 15 finishes, and it it really settles you down as a player. Um, So it's really important. And the guy I look at that you mentioned there is Emiliano Grillo. He he just – he handles those kind of courses. He handles the – tropical courses really well it seems so i i like him in that group it's because he's a flusher man he hits he hits his iron so well like pier, just yeah. pierces that sometimes when the wind starts kicking up and then you get him on past Palum, and i feel like he's not as bad of a putter on past yep. Palum. it's kind yep. of it's kind of interesting uh the two darts that i've thrown sia i've i've made two be- blindly made two bets on a monday what could possibly go wrong <laughs> at the puerto rico open uh i bet christopher ventura and kramer hickok with um Basically, no regards for anything. I just saw them. I liked how deep they were. I liked their game. And I said, you know what? It's the week. You know what? I also made two bets already. And now I'm going to make a third because I like Kramer Hickok quite a bit, by the way. But it was Roger Sloan at 60 to 1 and Cam okay. Percy at 70 to 1. Those are my dark Ooh, I like that Cam Percy. I, I like Cam yeah. Percy. He's been he played well. well. And he played well somewhere. One of these like Bermuda Punta Canas, I think. Recently, yeah. I don't have his results uh, in front of me. But I think it was. Sure I well think it was Corrales. Yeah, I, I think it was. There's like three three times a year we get on past Palom, and, and and this is this is one of them. Um, okay, gentlemen, I think that's going to do it. 
That is our DFS preview for this week's Dub World Golf Championship Workday Championship at the concession. Presented by Greg Ducharme. Wow. Yeah, Sia didn't get one in. He didn't get one in. So I'm a little I wanted to hear Sia say it today. Oh, no yeah, chance. Sia. No, no, we don't oh. have time. We don't have another 15 minutes. We got time. All right. No worries. Uh Sia Najad, you can follow on Twitter at Sia Najad. Greg Ducharme, who you can follow on Twitter at the real GFD. And Greg, what's the course record? You're talking to Tony Jacklin tonight. Is that tonight? Yeah, that's tonight. Seven o'clock coming up really soon. So uh, if we could get a move on here. See, you're right. You can hold out. You don't have to say anything. We got a show to do. See, yeah, we're talking in tonight. Tune in. Greg's ending the show so we can, in 37 minutes, go watch him on, on TV. Uh, okay, we're going to do that. I'm Rick Rungood. Jacob's behind the, the glass. Thank you very much, Jacob. This has been The First Cut. Catch you next time.